Welcome back to the last episode of the Summer Sermon Series. I'm going to be sharing with you a message called I Need My Monster, which I delivered this past weekend in North Oxford, Massachusetts. I Need My Monster was one of my favorite books to read to my daughters when they were little. Truthfully, at the time, I liked it because it was fun to do all the silly voices. But the more I read it to them, the more I enjoyed a deeper meaning. The book is about a young boy whose monster decided to take a week off and go fishing. The boy knew that he could not go to sleep without a monster, so he tried to get a substitute monster. None of them were working out for him. One had a voice that wasn't scary enough. One was a girl monster, and everyone knows that girl monsters are for girls. One had manicured nails, and that wasn't his style. Finally, in the end, his monster came back. The definition of monster is something that is ugly, large, frightening, and that's exactly what Gabe was. You can see the boy trembling, huddling under his blankets, afraid, and that's when he was able to sleep peacefully. It ends with the monster, Gabe, stating, we were made for each other. It's cute, but I started thinking about all the ways in which I have allowed myself to be comfortable with things that were actually ugly and frightening, but that I have become so used to that I couldn't function right without them. Pride, selfishness, addictive behaviors, unhealthy relationships, unhealed trauma, bitterness, resentment, fear, God loved me enough to rid me of all the things that I have become comfortable with. The process has been painful, but necessary, and he is still working it out in me. Let's turn to Mark 5, beginning in verse 21. It says, Now Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side. A great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. It's important that you understand what thronged means. In this particular scripture, it's used as a verb, and it means to fill an area to be packed into a space. So there wasn't just a lot of people spread all over the place following Jesus. They were packed in tight around him. This is important because you can imagine how difficult it was to get to Jesus with everyone gathered so tightly around him. We continue to verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. 12 years. This woman was hemorrhaging. The definition of hemorrhaging is a sudden loss in large amounts. It is uncontrollable. We can all experience a kind of hemorrhaging of security, passion, people, material things, a purging of something that has become a part of us. 
This woman is losing so much. And in verse 26, it says, And she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She went to see the people who were supposed to have been able to help her. It makes no human sense. It's not logical that she would go see the doctors and not only could they not find the reason for the loss, for the hemorrhage, but they also could not find a treatment. And every time they're trying to make things better, they're actually making things worse. How many times have we been to people, described what we're going through to people who cannot make sense of the loss we're experiencing, that hemorrhage that we are going through, that we're suffering through, and through their trying to define it and trying to figure out a way to make us better, it actually makes things worse. So here is this woman and she's desperate for something to help. She's completely physically worn, having spent all she has. It says in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Remember that a crowd of people huddled tight around Jesus, leaving no room for her. I can imagine her. I can just picture her crawling on the ground, exhausted and weak from the loss of blood, pushing her way through on her hands and knees, reaching as far as she can so that the tips of her fingers can just touch the hem of his robe. Have you ever been that desperate to reach Jesus? In verse 28, For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She knew she didn't have to steal him away from everyone else, but she needed to do more than just be in his presence. His presence is amazing. We can find peace and joy in his presence, but some kinds of healing take more than just going to church on Sunday morning and praying before each meal. Sometimes we have to be so wrapped in his presence, we have to stretch and crawl and reach for him. We have to push through that crowd, that throng of people to touch him. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She knew instant healing. She was instantly well. Something changed in that moment for her. So let's continue. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? I mean, come on, Jesus. There's all these people seeking you, huddling around you, and you want to know who barely touched the hem of your robe? You're on the way to heal this man's daughter, and you care who barely reached out to touch you? In verse 32, And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter. Daughter. 
He's saying, yes, my child, you were right to have faith in who I am. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This woman had to be desperate because she had to push her way through a crowd of people. She had been bleeding for so long, and in her culture, she would have been considered unclean. So she most likely was isolated and alone most of the time. She might have carried a sense of shame from her condition, and she begged God to let her be normal, to let her have some relief from what she was going through. And she pushed her way through the crowd and crawled her way just close enough to touch his hem of his garment. The Bible says she immediately was healed, and she knew it. So why was Jesus telling her to go in peace and be healed of her affliction? Well, sometimes we need those reminders, don't we? That it's okay to be healed, to live in that healing, in the freedom, the peace, and the joy. The definition of monster doesn't just include large, ugly, and frightening. It's also imaginary. It doesn't mean that these things are made up in your mind or that they don't matter, But the comfort we feel when we're lost in addictive substances and behaviors, when we're convincing ourselves that someone who consistently crosses our boundaries is good for us, when we're living a life that doesn't seem all that bad, but that's keeping us from the will of God, his purpose for us in a relationship with Christ, then we're only imagining that it's bringing us joy and comfort and peace. We get a false sense of security in anything other than Christ and Christ alone. But at times we are so lost in shame that we don't think we deserve the real thing. So he reminds us over and over again that it is ours and it is free. At times our hemorrhaging is of things past or present that keep us locked outside the life we're called to live and the relationship with Christ that we long for. It's painful, but it's purposeful, getting us to the point where we are on our knees, desperately crawling through the crowd, stretching as far as we can go until we are reaching to touch the hem of his garment after having tried everything else, knowing we have nothing left and nobody else to turn to, that this is our last hope, if we could only touch his robe, that he is the source of healing, that when we have nothing left, he is our security, our passion, our light, our joy, our peace, and our comfort. There is no substitute. There's nothing else. It's only Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the only thing that I can ask for in this moment is that you make me desperate for you. Lord, if that means that I need to experience hemorrhaging in my life, sudden loss and pain, I have been there before and I will be there again, Lord, because every time That draws me unexplainably close to you. Lord, make me so desperate that I am willing to fight the crowds and climb through the throngs of people, get on my hands and knees, 
crawl towards you and stretch as far as I can to reach the hem of your garment. Lord, make me desperate for your presence because what a beautiful reminder that you are my comfort, my security, my peace, my home. I thank you for all of these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the end of the Summer Sermon series, but I will not be ending my journey preaching. I do have several dates and places lined up for the rest of the summer and also for the fall. So please feel free to reach out to me and find out where I'll be preaching. And you're welcome to join me at any of those places. In addition to that, I will be coming back in November, November 5th with a brand new series. And I am excited to share with you as time moves forward, what we're going to be discussing next on our journey together. Thank you so much for being here with me. God bless.